Welcome to Why in the World. My name is Ben Shepard. On the show today, two-time Olympic halfpipe skier Rowan Cheshire. If you haven't rated, reviewed or subscribed to this podcast yet, please go and get that done. It really helps us out. And I hope you enjoyed today's episode. This is Rowan Cheshire on Why in the World. So, Rowan Cheshire, hello. Hello. How are you? you I'm okay? good, thank you. Well, thank you for having me around to start with. And we're sitting in, what do you call this room? Library? We, our study. Our study. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's kind of like my dad's office slash a little cosy place for my mum to come and read a book. I don't think I've ever done a podcast on a chair quite as grand. We're sitting in like <laughs> big grand leather chairs. It's very nice. Yeah. I like it. Um, how did you go from someone living in the Cheshire countryside to one of the best half-pipe skiers in the world? Um, well, basically on our way to Stoke, because we just live off like the M6, um, we always used to drive past the dry slope um, in Stoke. And we always kind of wondered what it was. And my dad used to be like, oh, it's the ski centre, whatever. And we always used to drive past it. And one weekend, me and my mum and my sister, we had like a girly day. I can't right. remember what we were doing, but we'd gone off, had a little girly day. Um, so my dad thought he'd take my brother down there. And when we got back, he was gloating about how amazing it was and such a good time and how we weren't there. So I think like the following weekend, my dad took us all down to start doing classes there. And we just fell in love with it from day one and just continued doing classes every single weekend. I think we did about three classes a day on a Saturday and a Sunday. Um, yeah, we basically lived down there. <laughs> never looked back since. Yeah, never looked back. So yeah. technically, it's your dad and your brother's fault that this has happened. Pretty much, yeah, yeah. And then my dad wanted to go on um, family holidays and stuff like that. So we started going on family holidays and we got introduced by Freestyle. Um, I saw all the big kids doing it and thought it was the coolest thing ever. <laughs> and so we decided to start a, a camp. And yeah, that's when the Freestyle stuff kind of took off from there. We started doing um, the local camps and then into Grom camps, started competing in um, the UK comps, um, going on camps abroad. And it was all just fun. It was all just a hobby. It was all just a laugh. Um, and that's kind of how it all started, yeah. And then it kind of developed into like <clears throat> a career and your life at the end of the day. Yeah, I just kind of fell into it really. I didn't yeah. know how it happened. I think all sometimes big blur. <laughs> the best things happen like that though. You kind of just oh, fall yeah. into them and then it becomes kind of inherently you. This is very much you now, isn't it? You come alongside freestyle skiing, which is incredibly cool. Mm. Like you're super young as well. You're only 23, right? Yeah, 23. Did you think you'd have such a career at this age when you look back at yourself when you started skiing when you were going down those slopes on Saturday did you think oh I'll do that for the rest of my life oh god no no, no. <laughs> it was always I always fancied going on like a season okay or something and I think my dad bribed me you're gonna do like time. chalet girl stuff yeah I think yeah. he bribed me in high school with if you do well on your exams I'll help <laughs> you pay for a season <laughs> um but yeah that actually never happened it's just obviously my career now which yeah. is crazy and it was never the, the the Olympics was never a thing that was very very new um, that came about when I was about 16 um, so before that it was kind of you looked up to X Games due to kind of events and just all these other pro athletes that were doing filming so yeah I never actually thought I could make a career out of it if I'm being honest um, does it feel real not really no I think I think everyone kind of bigs it up so much and it's like oh my god like it's amazing and I do think my lifestyle is amazing I never take it for granted uh, like I love it getting to travel but it's like the Olympics and stuff like to me I kind of 
it helped with stress as well just to treat it like a normal event obviously it was a lot bigger and grander and stuff but obviously that's such a big deal to other people and it's a big deal to me to be involved in it but at the time obviously it's just another competition and it's crazy like this is the olympics this is what it is you know on this world stage um it is mad it does feel like a bit of a blur everything goes so quickly so how old were you at your first one um, the first Olympics I was 18 okay, so. when I was competing, yeah. And uh, yeah, qualification started when I was 16. Yeah. That must have felt like so much pressure, like when mm-hmm. people were doing their GCSEs. How did you even manage that? Like with school and skiing and all of that? How did that oh, even gosh. work? Um, well, when I was in high school doing my GCSEs, um, I, was at, I was out of the country quite a bit as well. Not as much as I was during my A-levels, but... Um, yeah, I managed to pass them all. I don't know That's how. Good. I wish I kind of wish I could go back in time and do them again and actually study and see how well I'd done, considering I didn't really study for them and passed anyway. Um, but yeah, to be fair, high school, it wasn't too bad. It was more um, going into college and stuff that I struggled with. I ended up dropping out in my second year and I wasn't doing the subjects I really wanted to do. Yeah, um, yeah I just, I couldn't really fit in it. It was too difficult. And I think when you're younger as well, um, I wasn't into education as much as I am now um like I love learning now I'll increase my knowledge doing courses or learning about anything and reading but obviously at the time when you're younger and stuff obviously mm-hmm. I just wanted to go away skiing I didn't really care that much about it um but I yeah it's just how that, it changes isn't it at that time though people are normally just focusing on school so they're focusing on one thing and just kind of getting through that mm-hmm. but you had Olympic qualification you had the Olympics you yeah. had everything to kind of focus on I think skiing and going to the Olympics and everything has opened up so many opportunities for me. And I think with education, um, it can wait in yeah, a sense. Like I could go back to, to I can go back to uni if I want to now, and I have so much real life experience from everything that I've done. Um, so I won't regret it at all because I think now, if I was to go back to education, that I'd be way more motivated and way more stuck in and um I'd get distracted less easily and I'd probably get a better result from it and actually do something that I really really want to do rather than just oh I'll do this for the sake of doing it you know in terms of like your skiing and your freestyle skiing what led you to freestyle what led you to choosing that instead of choosing something else I know you like mentioned Mm -hmm. like seeing loads of the big kids doing it and stuff and was it kind of like that looks cool I fancy doing that yeah yeah it was a mixture of things I'm quite a creative person as well and to me that was a really creative part of skiing um and I just thought I love the freedom of it and Mm. that you could do what you wanted and it was kind of like the rebel side of skiing I guess at the time and stuff and I just thought it looked less boring in a way than racing was to me um it just racing didn't appeal to me that much where freestyle did and there was just so much to learn and so much progression and the people were amazing. It was just everything, like the environment, the people, um, everyone just pushed each other and we just always had a laugh. It was always mm. such good fun. It was never like too serious. Yeah, we just always had a really good time and I think that's what drove me to it. I suppose it's quite a creative side of skiing as well because like you said, like you kind of have to curate your own runs. Yeah. You have to, like how do you go about doing something like that? Do you do it on the light like, on the fly or do you have things that you know you're going to do in a run or do you start a run and think oh Christ I'm not feeling as good as I thought I was I can't do this so I'll have to do this instead Yeah yeah we always have like plan A and plan B okay. and we normally talk it over with the coaches like ideas but it's always down to the athlete in the end um we've always had stuff that we work on and 
we're always progressing in training. So if we're having a good time, you know, we'll throw something a bit bigger mm. or like whatever, we'll always play around. And we'll always have an idea of what we need to work on and what we need to progress. And we set kind of targets, obviously the future for an ideal run that we would like. And obviously we work up to that with tricks and stuff. But obviously, yeah, like some competitions, I'm not feeling 100% okay. and I don't feel good or I'm a little bit injured. And um, there's a bit pain somewhere. <laughs> um, so then we'll go to a bit more of a simple run in plan B. Uh, but normally in a comp, if I'm not feeling 100% um, or even in qualifications where you just want to kind of make finals, I do a safety run to begin with and you get two runs. So if I land the safety run well, then I'll go and do a harder run in run, run two. Okay, that makes sense. Yeah, but we always try and plan it so that plan B, run one, will kind of get us the results that we need to get us to the finals anyway. Is it kind of confidence-based? Like if you land the first run you'll feel in yourself better yeah 100 percent, 100 percent. it's all a big mental game i think mm. it's more mental than physical sometimes right. yeah it's easy for you to say that yeah, I know, but... oh my god for me sometimes this yeah. is mad yeah i went for a phase um, when i was a little bit younger especially qualifying for the first olympics where i'd do amazing in training land everything you know easy <laughs> um and then come to the competitions and just fall on every single run just the pressure yeah just the pressure the mental game yeah it was awful but is that something you struggle with then pressure throughout your career it has been i think you come up with strategies to kind of overcome it and um as you grow up i suppose you've been in that environment mm. so much you kind of you learn from it but pressure can be a big one especially when important things are mm. lying on it yeah so let's talk through the olympics then because I know your experience at the two Olympics that you've been to has been mm. totally different. Let's start with the first one, mm -hmm. because I know there was some events that happened. Just talk us through, like, the whole journey there. Start with, like, getting your kit. Let's start there. Mm. That's got to be an unreal feeling when you pick up all your kit with all the Olympic rings and the GB badges and stuff. Oh, it was unreal. It was like Christmas. Like, yeah, yeah Christmas came early. It was crazy it was just really cool being at the adidas hq as well and just being with everyone and looking through all the stuff and seeing it kind of for the first time other than obviously the little drawings you get mm. um oh but it was amazing and going for the talks it was yeah it was unreal it was yeah it was great and when i came home me and my parents and everything we all just like unpacked it and we buzzing <laughs> over it i was like oh my god and we just wanted to pack for it straight away so that was that was an unreal experience and everyone was super excited because obviously it was the first time for everyone as mm. well as the first time the sport had been in the olympics so everyone was super excited and i know it's such your first one how was it over there it was really good we did a test event there actually and it had changed a lot in that space of time because it was quite a bare place. There was only workers there when we did the test event and they hadn't built everything yet. So we didn't get to see the athlete village or anything like that. Um, so when we got in there for the first time, it was just different. It was it was a weird experience. Obviously all these athletes staying in the one place in this one village and seeing athletes from all different kinds of sports and meeting people on Team GB that you'd never met before, even though they were, they were in winter mm. sport, like the bobsleigh guys, ice skating, all that kind of thing. We'd never... We never met them before, so it was a really, really cool environment to meet people. Um, kind of to be around all of those. Yeah, all the athletes things. and seeing how they work and what their kind of routines are and how everything, they deal which is really cool. And all that yeah, sort of exactly. Stuff as well. Yeah, it was really interesting. Is to... it, does it feel like a big family when you're at the Olympics like that? Like, is, is, it, is there people like sharing ideas and you're chatting to like the people that are old and that've been there and done it yeah. and stuff like that? Yeah, no, definitely, and it's really 
oh it's such a great environment because everyone supports each other and you can make really good friends because obviously we, we'll go for dinner with them and um, you'll meet new people and they'd all come and you know support your event and you'll go support their event and everything and you get to hear um like how it went for them what they, their struggles were and it's great to see people come out on top and yeah, them definitely. to be really proud of their run having worked so hard, so hard for, it. for it yeah so talk me through then the competition mm-hmm. at the first olympics yeah so it was all going well we got there at the start of the olympics or the opening ceremony and everything and it was a, i think it was like a week and a half maybe a bit longer i can't actually remember till it was actually my event so there's kind of a lot of okay we've got a lot of free time to kind of just okay. kind of I don't know ski ski around go see events go to the gym you know make sure we're fit and healthy get our rest and everything and it was good for me to go earlier just for jet lag because I really struggle with it um and yeah we started training everything was going well pipe was great they were there was like a lack of snow at the time as well so a lot of it was the fake snow so it was a little bit slow but the pipe in general was amazing um yeah, and we're just kind of going for the paces with training. And on the final training day, I think it was a night session, I ended up throwing one of my tricks and ended up just jumping off the wall a bit too much. So when I came round to land, I came round to land on my face at the bottom of the pipe. So I ended up knocking myself out, um, gave myself a pretty bad concussion and facial damage. Yeah, I broke my nose and a black eye and scrapes and bruises. Um, and yeah, I kind of woke up in hospital the next morning, which is crazy. And don't really remember much of the trip after that, to be On honest. The last practice run as well. Oh, yeah. 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 Have you like That's reminisced good. about that moment quite a bit? Or, I mean, prior to going back to your mm. second Olympics, you must have thought back to that and you must have thought, good God, Ron, why did you, why did you do that? Or did you just <laughs> think it's just one of those things that happens yeah it's just one of those things that happens I did look back at it to try and actually remember okay <laughs> but yeah I couldn't yeah I don't know it's a learning curve isn't it I always try and look at the silver linings in a situation and the positives that you can take out of it and to be honest that was a really big growing experience and I'd gone through a lot and with the recovery from that um and I think I came back a hell of a lot stronger from it both mentally and physically um so I wouldn't try and go back and change it, change it or anything like that I think yeah it has been a really big growing experience and especially going into the, this Olympics um, just gone in February um, I don't know it, I did think about it I kind of thought oh my god what was if I panic and get a bit of anxiety over it but to be honest I would just yeah I just was so chilled and just tried to enjoy the experience and injury is such a massive part of this sport you know it's kind of you kind of just have to accept what it is and just try and prevent it as much as you can with yeah. gym work wearing a helmet wearing all the safety gear and everything like that but if it happens you know you're in the sport for a reason I guess you just got to accept these kind of things so that was your first Olympics mm-hmm. maybe not finishing like you would have liked it to no, have finished no. so your second one then that was in Pyeongchang how was that experience like different and how was it similar I think obviously being four years I'd matured a lot and I'm a different athlete now than I was then I think I took it a bit more seriously like it's not all fun and games even though you have to have fun during the sport otherwise you're just not going to really progress and stuff but obviously when you're a bit younger you know you don't take sometimes fitness as serious as you do or like a routine or sleep um I think this time around I got into a proper routine um because I was there for a week again before the event even started 
Um, so I got into a good like morning, nighttime routine, stretching, working out, um, just trying to get comfortable and be happy in the environment and stuff like that. And I think going into the event as well, I didn't let the pressure get to me or the stress. I just went in there, just do as well as you can, land a run. Um, my goal was to make finals. But I said to myself, if I make finals, that's my goal. I've been injured. Um, there's no point in putting so much pressure on yourself to do better. Just enjoy the experience and as long as you make finals, just try not to care too much about the placement, um, which works actually wonders for me because I end up just try enjoying the whole just experience, kind of letting, go, letting go. And I ended up landing my runs really well and yeah, came seventh, which I was super, super happy with. That seventh place, did it feel like a podium to you? Did it feel like, oh my God, this is incredible. Yeah, it felt, it, it did feel amazing because I'd had a bit of a whirlwind over four years after the concussions with suffering other concussions on top of that. And tearing all the ligaments in my ankle as well so I didn't actually cut, come back to skiing till the December before the February Olympics and that was after having about seven to eight months off something between there um so I knew I wasn't going to perform to the best of my ability to be able to podium or really get super super mm. close to it so I just wanted to enjoy the experience and do as well as I can and land a run that I was proud of for what I've been through. When you're sitting there though with like with a concussion or mm -hmm. with all the ligaments ripped in your ankle, do you feel sort of like oh for good like why has this happened again? Do you have those feelings or does do you just say oh well, you know it's the sport I'm in? Yeah, um, it's it's difficult because I tend to get injured a lot. I'm kind of just like, why am I so accident prone? Like, why? <laughs> Do I help it? Yeah, like, what the hell is going on? I just need to kind of walk around in bubble wrap or something. <laughs> um, so it does get really frustrating. But yeah, I just try and see the silver linings and fill my time, especially when I'm injured and kind of work on myself and think of the positives out of it and just try and get stronger from it and really get into the rehab side of things. Looking forward yeah. to the future then. Yeah. Let's do that. Let's not look back. Let's yeah. walk forward. What are your ultimate goals? Like, I'm sure you're going to say like an Olympic medal mm -hmm. or whatever. Like, but what what would you like to be looking back at in, let's say, another two Olympics time? Yeah. Um, so, like you say, I would love to win an Olympic medal. Um, hopefully, gold. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I would like to have got an X Games medal as well and go to the X Games and do well in all those kind of competitions and to have achieved the tricks that I would have liked to achieve. Um, and just enjoy skiing and kind of go on um, some more trips that aren't totally like team-based, like go away with friends, go and enjoy that, do some filming, uh, just go and enjoy skiing really. Go, I'd love to go to Japan. That's on my bucket list to go do some powder skiing in Japan um, so that's basically like kind of my skiing goals and just kind of bettering myself really and trying to get to where I want to be I think with like personal stuff obviously like with the business side of things I'd like to continue doing that and working with different brands um, I'd also love to go to uni as well to study marketing or something like that as Amazing. well so so you're like do you love the mountains as well as just like yes, obviously the, yeah. the freestyle stuff of skiing what is it about like the mountains and being up there and kind of being on your own in the pipe, I suppose, mm. is very similar to kind of just being on the mountain skiing by yourself. Mm -hmm. 
how do you feel when you're up there either in the pipe or just on the mountain just like on your own it's just so calming and you kind of you're left alone with your own thoughts and it's so fresh and different you're outdoors you've got the sun on your face it's just it's just an amazing feeling you kind of just take it in and I just like to kind of look around and really appreciate where you are because it's absolutely amazing some of the like environments you're in and the scenery and everything it's just phenomenal and you are really in your own little world your own little bubble when you're doing that it's yeah it's great and I I enjoy skiing especially in the pipe when I'm training I do prefer skiing by myself in those situations because you just get totally on it and you're just focused you've got your music in and everything and it's just yeah it's a great environment it's weird isn't it because it's it is so individual and you see like Mm. a photo of you on your instagram or whatever and some great photos of you and like powder and things like that yeah my coach is a gem (laughs) i'm really lucky that my coach loves photography it helps with the social media yeah yeah it's really funny it's just kind of nag at him like can you come get this photo for me when you get a photo like that because it is so individual as soon as you put it on something like instagram it's kind of like it is like art isn't it yeah you've you've really strived to get that photo or do that trick does it feel really nice like people appreciating what you're posting and the photos you're putting out there oh yeah definitely it's always nice to see like a photo that you think is really cool and people obviously think the same I think people especially kind of at home that maybe aren't so familiar with skiing Mm. or freestyle skiing um they'll see it and they get so hyped over yeah. it. Like, cause they're just like, oh my God, this is sick. And you're just kind of like, oh, thanks. Like, yeah, no, it's, it's cool. It's not that good. Cause I know the trick I'm doing and it's or like a straight I know, air. but it's somewhere normal. Yeah. It's like, oh my I, God. Yeah, there's some photos I think I put one up or it's on my story or something and I wasn't grabbing my skis I wasn't going that high it was just like a straight air kind of thing and people were like that is amazing I'm just like it's really not yeah, <laughs> like, I suppose it's all like it's all like to you maybe Yeah, not, yeah. but to me it looks sick yeah it's like, oh, it's funny when I show some of my friends maybe like a small trick like a, a 540 or a 360 or something which it really just isn't say that big so yeah. oh, just say it's so blase that's what I mean I shouldn't really but yeah and they think it's amazing and yeah it's it's crazy <laughs> what do you watch to get hyped or what do you listen to to get hyped someone like me when I used to play rugby I used to watch like big tackles mm. or whatever before a game to get like psyched up or whatever for a lot of people they'll watch extreme sports they'll watch like half pipe skiing or people doing tricks or people on a skateboard or surfing or like I love watching big wave surfing videos because you're like holy Christ look at that or like skiing as well what do you watch where you think oh my god that's sick or that's cool or that's really got me hyped Mm. it used to be the extreme channel on sky when that used to be around i used to watch that all the time so it was like skateboarding skiing snowboarding honestly anything anything extreme like that at the minute i don't particularly watch anything like those kind of things will still get me super hyped um but i kind of don't really watch stuff like that anymore i really love kind of listening to motivational podcasts I think they get me really motivated and music as well um I try to li- I listen to a lot of music like before events and during events and they just kind of get me in the mood um something fairly chilled but with like a good beat to it you have know you got you can get, like, you'll go back to like every event have you got a song or is it kind of just a bit of everything mm, it's, a, it's a bit of everything it kind of changes like every event I listen to music but that changes all the time so it's not like a specific song at every single okay. event it's more that it's like, walking out it's like with training for example <laughs> <laughs> it's like with training for instance like I'll have a song that I will 
literally land everything to and I'm like damn this is my song you know every, I change it I put it on every single run and then but if I have a bad run with that song I've got to change it okay. so it changes every time so like if I fall with a song then I've got to change my good song so it does change all the time that's so quite a cool thing though the yeah. music thing yeah. I do like that it must be really annoying as well though if you really like the song and you're like oh, yeah no it does get really annoying sake. but then obviously you get really bored of a song as well okay. really quickly if you're playing it every single run but well, that must mean that you're doing it good yeah, so you'll be like, yeah, I'm well yeah. This song is- but it's it's really funny though because it does change like every trip, and um, I'll have to play something different on the chairlift up, okay. and I have to just whack out all my other music, and then as soon as I'm at the top of the pipe, ready to drop in, it'll be that like specific song. Um, yeah, always very gutted if I fall during that song. It must be weird, like because obviously when you're in the pipe, you do the pipe, you come down, you get to the bottom, you get on the chairlift. You've got that time to think mm. when you get on the chairlift to go back up to go again mm. are you over analyzing everything then are you thinking about the run you think about what you did wrong what you did right yeah it depends especially if I'm going to try a new, something new that's a bit bigger like a bigger spin or whatever it is it really annoys me if the lift up is really long because you've got so long to think about it mm. and to kind of your body's cooling down as well so you just like once you've landed one run you're kind of hyped and you just want to get back up to the top and try it again but when you're sat on a chairlift or a pommer or something you kind of have that time to kind of chill out again which isn't what you need obviously when you're doing a big trick and stuff um so sometimes yeah you are kind of over and analyzing everything and thinking about the things that could go wrong or right um with it and stuff which can get quite annoying you just have to kind of shut your brain off yeah, sometimes because like, you can you can overthink about it too much like so way easy. too much yeah but i find when you're at the top yeah your brain's going crazy and you're overthinking it about it but as soon as you kind of drop into the pipe and you've got your music on everything just kind of goes away all those thoughts just go away and you're kind of very much in the moment because you have your whole run to think about and the other hits before you even do that trick say you're very much focused on the present Mm. which I think what I like about the sport especially dropping in like you're not thinking about anything else other than what you're doing at that moment and that one trick that you're going into and each step. Do you feed off the crowd or do you even realise the crowd are there? This crowd kind of scares me sometimes. Yeah. <laughs> it makes me a bit nervous, I think. Right. But as soon as, like I said, with the dropping in thing, it, it they go away, everything goes away. So it's, it's kind of the pre and post, but like as you're doing it, yeah. they're kind of not there. Yeah, I think like within a, a big event when there's a big crowd and you're kind of at the top warming up saying you can see how many people are down there all coming up the pipe and everything it is a bit nerve-wracking but like I say once you're in your zone it all goes away like even the commentator you can't hear the music or the commentator or anything like that so it doesn't phase me that much other than a bit mentally beforehand okay. but we deal with that we, we calm <laughs> ourselves and it's fine <laughs> yeah it's just keep talking to, to yourself like it's okay it doesn't change anything it's the same pipe it's fine <laughs> in terms of like when you're practicing to do like a new trick or something extra mm-hmm. big that you've never done before explain that moment when you've been trying to do something for so long mm. and you just keep falling a little bit short and then suddenly you nail it, it you clicks. hit it yeah. and you know exactly what you're doing. That's oh got to feel amazing. Yeah, it does. I've had a breakthrough with that recently. With So I, my natural spinning direction is left and trying to spin right is quite difficult and I found it really difficult. Um, and that was a big breakthrough 
for me um, this summer was landing them consistently. But honestly, it's been like a year <laughs> trying to land this trick consistently and doing it well and being able to grab this trick and many, many crashes. Yeah, it's an amazing experience when it comes together because you go through those when you're first starting doing it and you're falling like every time. Um, you just kind of think it's never going to happen. Like, mm-hmm. oh, I'm never going to be able to land this. Like, this this isn't happening. Why is it not happening? It's, it just shows that hard work and being consistent with something, no matter how bad you are at it, it does come together just in the end. Yeah, just all that consistency and hard work. Yeah, it does come together in the end. But it is... It can be very, very long and painful. <laughs> it must be annoying as well if you do land something and you're like, yes, I can do this. Mm-hmm. And you go back up to the top yeah. and you try again and you're and like, you just... why can't I do it now? <laughs> yeah. I've just done it. Yeah. And then you overanalyze that then. Yeah, and you start well. getting stiff and you're not relaxed and you're just overthinking it and every single movement. Yeah, it can get really hard. But I think like the mental side of things is really like interesting if you can kind of visualize something and we do gymnastics training as well so if you're on the trampoline practice it on there visualize everything kind of even do it on the ground like imagine Mm. yourself doing it that really helped for me is that Um, a big thing then that you do visualization yeah especially before the last olympics i did because i was injured and um we used to do a visualization session every time i did a gymnastic training session and i found it helped massively i think i improved in my skiing and got back into it a lot faster and I was able to do tricks, I think, a bit more comfortably because I'd gone over it in my head a lot and gone through the movements and the motions. Let's talk about the two points in your life where you felt have been your proudest moment and then your most negative moment. Yeah. Where do you think the most negative moment lies? Let's start there. Negative moments. You're like, I've tried to block them out. I know, I know. In the back of my head, you're really digging up some issues here. (laughs) (laughs) I'm joking. Um, I think probably negative, just because of like, obviously the backlash and how long it took me to recover was the Sochi um, like head injury. Just because that's had so many like repercussions um, in the last like four years and stuff. And with head injuries now, I'm a lot more sensitive um, to them. So it kind of doesn't take much to be able to kind of knock yeah so the last time I hit my head which was pretty recent I ended up having a migraine for 10 days straight and was bed bound and not being able to function which was awful um so yeah there's a sensitivity there with it now and obviously all the kind of like emotional stuff that came from it as well but like I say growing experience and you kind of grow from it and yeah but I think that would probably be like a negative moment and then positive happy thoughts happy thoughts happy thoughts we keep going back to it like it's all it's like the olympics again like yeah. my parents came out to visit me and watch me at this olympics and they haven't seen me ski in person for years i think since i was 15 14 they hadn't seen me ski and i think they've seen like bits on tv and obviously videos i'd showed them or anything but they never see me in person in a competition kind of doing my thing so that was absolutely amazing that they came out and we got to share that together and yeah i think that was one of the one of the moments that I was just mm. purely really really happy like after that event um after the finals and stuff when they came down and hugged me and everything yeah that it was a really good so moment. strange for them those like looking at you now mm. and you doing all of that and yeah 
Ta- we only took it down to the practice slope in Stoke. <laughs> She's like, what's she doing now? Yeah. I think my mum, it scares my mum a bit, I think. Do you think? Yeah, doing another freestyle stuff. She loves it. But I think she's just a bit like... She's just like, wow, yeah. it's my daughter. Yeah. Is there one video that you've done or one trick that you've hit or a moment that you've just been like, that was sick that you'll never forget? I think I always remember the time that I... F- first really started loving half pipe and really got into it and I'd gone away it was like a, it was a camp but it wasn't a team GB camp it wasn't a serious camp really it was when I was younger I think I was about 15, 14 15 and we'd gone out to Lac Switzerland and I spent I pretty much spent majority of the time actually shredding by myself and I think with like one other friend as well and we didn't, we got like a little bit of coaching, but it was just kind of go and enjoy yourself, you know, mm. free on the mountain, do kind of do what you want kind of thing. And I just remember me and my friend would kind of like buzz off each other in the in the pipe. And that was the time where I did my first 540. And then I think in the space of a week or a week and a half, I'd gone from doing like my first 540 to a 720 and then to a 900 or trying it. I don't think I landed it, but I was just buzzing off it and I was doing all these crazy tricks and that I'd never done before yeah that was crazy and that was the first time that I think I fell in love with the pipe and I wanted to train in it properly and do this for real and compete in it and everything um yeah. is there a is there a want to like land something before anyone else yes yeah. yes I love that it's just like straight away yes <laughs> yeah I'm, I'm quite a competitive person as well and I suppose a lot of people are obviously um being in the sport and competing and everything but like before I had my head injuries I was the trick that I actually fell on which is called a flare which is like a it's a side flip what it looks like in the pipe but if you're just going to go straight off a jump it'd be a back flip 180 but I was kind of doing those in every single comp and I was pretty good at them and no one had done a double of them so me and my coach would always like kind of banter each other like I'm going to be the first person to do a double and with a flare and all this kind of stuff and so yeah I think there is a lot of competition to be able to has anyone do done a first. double flare no yet? they haven't it's still open you know there you go I know but I'm scared of them now no, you're not you're fine <laughs> yeah we can see it so 2019 then goals for this year what are you saying goals for this year is to obviously recover land from a double flare land a double flare <laughs> <laughs> we'll see on an airbag maybe foam pit <laughs> this year I just want to focus on training obviously go into competitions and just try and enjoy them um obviously the olympic qualifying will come around pretty quick so i just kind of want to take this year to kind of enjoy training and get some of the tricks that i haven't got yet and just try and work on some of the bigger ones and kind of have a bit of a breakthrough with those so when it comes around to a bit more of a serious time where i have to do well in competitions those are pretty consistent and i've got a really good run under my belt and i'm feeling confident and i can land a consistent good run um i just want to train so I can get up to that point and not have to stress about doing anything new and crazy um so kind of last minute I'd like to get all that crazy out of the way (laughs) just get get it all the crazy out of the way as soon as possible yeah so thank you so much for doing this uh, Rowan Um, it's a pleasure if people want to find you because I know you've got like um some online fitness stuff now as well um so I have a website which is www.rowancheshire.com and I do online personal training as well as I have launched a fitness ebook that is based around ski fitness but also great if you just want to get fit in general um i'm also on instagram which is my main channel which is at rowan cheshire go well. see some of the photos they're yeah. sick also <laughs> Thank go you. See them. And very soon you'll see a double flare on there as well yeah. <laughs> <laughs>
I hope you enjoyed that conversation as much as I did. Rowan Cheshire on Why in the World. I'm very excited to see what Rowan does in the future. And definitely go and follow her Instagram page if you like photos of extreme sports. She posts some stuff. I'm like, oh my God, that is insane. I love it. It's brilliant. Another guy that I feel like that about is next week's guest. His name is Pete Whitaker. Pete is a big wall climber. A couple of years ago, he did a rope solo of El Capitan and he will be on next week's episode of Why in the World. As always, do rate, review and subscribe and I will speak to you next week.